Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 80. In today's show, we'll be talking with Erica Peetler, author of Leadership Rigor, Breakthrough Performance and Productivity, Leading Yourself, Teams, and Organizations. In addition to being an author, Erica is a speaker, an accomplished leadership performance coach, and high-impact facilitator. She works with Fortune 500 companies as well as CEOs from progressive, small, and medium-sized to create conditions for change and growth so they can achieve their potential as individual leaders, high-performance teams, and organizations operating at levels of excellence. Erica is going to be sharing with us how to accelerate your leadership performance and productivity across the life cycle of your business. Good morning, Erica. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Good morning, Craig and Shai. Happy to be here with you guys. Uh, it's great to have you on the show. And tell us a little bit more about the background of what led you to write Leadership Rigor. So Leadership Rigor is the culmination of my career as a leader so far in that I had the opportunity of growing up as a business leader through the healthcare industry and had a number of leadership roles, increasing responsibility and oversight for large businesses. And after about 20 years of doing a lot of marketing and sales and, quite frankly, some pretty important and interesting turnaround situations, I had amassed a a good deal of knowledge and decided to open up my own coaching and consulting firm. My client base is mostly small to mid-sized business leaders. And as I coached and did team development journeys with my clients, what I realized was many of them didn't have access to many of the skills and training that I had access to. So as I went through and evolved in my work with them, I really started to put together a lot of documentation, a lot of models to break things down for them. And I realized, man, I have a lot of content here that I would love to share, not just with the small base of clients that I'm currently working with, but to bring it out into the world and share it in a bigger stage with people who can benefit from having a more prescriptive roadmap to advancing their own leadership. In all this time, what has your experience been with leadership being trainable? Is it something that anyone can learn? It's a great question. I get a lot of people who are curious about, are leaders born or made, and can you really build the skill set? Can anyone pick it up and do it? And my answer is yes, assuming you are open to really doing the work and really willing to put yourself out there. Most of the skills of leadership are things that you can learn, things that with emotional intelligence, your self-awareness, your self-management, you can open yourself up to the learning and the skills and be able to then translate those to on-the-ground application with practice. I notice in your book you use the term change-ready regarding leaders. How would you explain that, and how do you determine whether they're change-ready? Yeah, it's a great question. In fact, much of the book Leadership Rigor is written to help people become this concept of 
change ready. And it comes from this background where most of us realize, I think at this point in the complexities of the business world, whether it's the small business world or the large corporate business world, that change is a constant and we have to be ready to surf with it. We have to be ready to roll with it. So the concept of being a change ready leader is understanding that change is an everyday occurrence. So what can you do to help facilitate it. How do you facilitate progress and facilitate aligned action? You know, one of the things that small to mid-sized business owners really struggle with is they all want growth. But the question is, are they really ready for the growth? And being a change-ready leader helps to keep people focused on what is it that you need to facilitate in terms of progress and aligned action to ensure that your organization is really ready to take advantage of the growth opportunities that are presenting themselves. Erica, I'm curious about, you know, you talk about this idea of becoming consciously competent. What's your experience around that and what makes a consciously competent leader? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, one of the things that I was pretty diligent about in leadership rigor was really making sure that I approached the book in terms of three different sections, leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. And leading yourself really all start shy with this concept of being a consciously competent leader, which is we all kind of come into situations and sometimes we don't know what we don't know. So we are unconscious and we're incompetent. And those words sound hard sometimes when I'm doing a workshop, but basically it just means you don't know what you don't know and you have some blind spots. As someone gives you feedback and someone gives you some insights into what you can be doing better, you now become consciously incompetent. You become aware of where some of your gaps are, and now you have an opportunity to work on it. When you tend to have a talent, the skill set that just comes naturally to you, like you guys are great communicators, you can ask great interviewing questions, or people might be great presenters, they just get up there and they naturally know what to do. They have an unconscious competency. They just naturally get into the flow. Sometimes you ask a leader, hey, how do you do that? How do you guys know the right question to ask? And you're like, you know, it just comes naturally to us. The highest level, though, that we're looking to reach as a leader is this level of conscious competency. When we are consciously aware and competent at what we're doing, we answer three really critical questions as a leader. We know what we're doing. We know how to do it. And we're able to explain why we're doing it. And why this is so critical in leadership today is when you really look at what the role of a leader is, it's really to help develop the bench and develop the talent around them. So a consciously competent leader tends to be someone who is a very good coach and someone who can really help to develop others around them to be more skilled. Yes, it relates so directly to business owners that we work with all the time. And I'm sure you've experienced, right? They're trying to figure out how do I develop my staff so that I can give them more responsibility and give them more authority to make great decisions so that I can also then elevate what I do on a day-to-day basis to be more strategic. And man, I can just see how this is a real big part of developing that skill set. It really is. And what you just described, right, you know, this desire to help your staff get stronger and 
give you what I would call lift. To me, that's about how a leader can learn how to manage their altitude. And we look at a lot of business leaders, small business leaders in particular, they may have launched the business, they're the owner of the business, they know every nut and bolt and every way that it works. And then as the business grows, it's really hard for them to get out of the doing stage of everything. It's hard for them to advance into what we would call the managing and the leading phases. But for the organization to grow and for the people in that organization to grow, you have to be able to have that leader ultimately learn how to evolve into managing and leading. And that's where, again, back at Leadership Rigors outline, leading yourself is one set of skills, but for the organization to grow, there are a completely different set of skills that you need to understand to bring your team along and then ultimately your organization along. Can you give us some examples of that? Sure. In terms of leading teams, right, the big shift that happens, probably the biggest shift that surprises most people is when you're leading a team, you have to really shift to getting work done through others. And there's always that temptation of, but I know how to do this and I can do this so quickly, so I'll just take it on myself. And as a result, if a team leader is not really leaning into and leveraging the learning curve and delegating and giving some of their team members authority, they'll always be micromanaging or they'll always be getting caught in the doing stage of things. So the organization won't necessarily advance. If you look downstream and you say, okay, that could be all right for a while. This organization gets a little bit bigger, gets a little bit more sophisticated. Think of that small to mid-sized business owner that doesn't appropriately develop a leadership team, doesn't appropriately have heads of departments that are really capable of not only doing the technical competency, but then developing the bench around them. You have an organization that gets really compressed. People are working multiple levels below where they should be working, and the organization never really gets the rhythm and the continuity that having a team of leaders who are moving not only team-based functional agendas, but an agenda at the organizational level, the integrated priority level forward. Yeah, it's a classic bottleneck. Nobody can make a decision without the person in charge. Yeah, and we'll often refer to that leader as being the spoke in the wheel, right? So that one leader goes to each department, comes back, and we have to help those leaders learn how to leverage the power of the team. Yeah, it's it's definitely a a huge shift. And if you're listening to the show and what Eric is saying is making you a little bit uncomfortable, (laughs) then I would keep listening (laughs) because I think that she's really touching on some insights today that are really getting to the heart of what a lot of these issues are that are preventing us as business owners from growing our businesses in the way that we want. And not to mention, in addition to that, you are increasing your risk in a hub and spoke situation. When everything flows from you, if you're not able to take a vacation, there's a reason for that because the company can't function when you're not there. Yeah. You know, and I always say your fingerprints are on everything. So look at how you're managing that business. And I'm sure that you guys talk about this with a lot of your guests. There's a fundamental difference between working on the business and working in the business and in the small to mid-sized space in particular, that shift is pretty significant and can be pretty painful because You really need to trust. You really need to learn how to move away from your pace setting or your directing style to be more empowering, more participative. You may even find things slow down for you a little bit because you need to engage more in some communication and relationship building. But ultimately, downstream, you're going to have some real powerful speed. It may slow you up at first. And if you're that really impatient leader, 
this is a tough struggle and a tough transition to get through. It really is. And most entrepreneurs are hard chargers and they're used to doing the doing, right? They make things happen. That's what got them there. That's what built the business. So frequently they don't even recognize that this is the same thing that's causing struggle and that's causing a need for an evolution in leadership thinking. And the word entrepreneur, I talk to a lot of the clients that I work with and I say, yeah, we're entrepreneurs. And now your job is to make sure as your company continues to grow, that you find how to balance both being that entrepreneur, which is looking for those innovative opportunities or maybe those great transactions, those great deals with the concept of building your enterprise infrastructure to scale and sustainably support your growth. And that's where things get very complicated because you may love the business and the doing part of it, but if you don't also like the operations or getting to, as you mentioned earlier, Shai, you know, getting to that strategic level and working a little bit more broader on the vision and where the organization is going, you're going to really stunt and stifle your growth, both of your revenue and profit, as well as the talent bench. So you may not have the people to ultimately propel you forward. Erica, one of those elements that you're talking about around the team, I know that I have a number of business owners I work with that are faced with that dilemma. They've hired a number of people to fulfill roles in their company, usually on the doing side. Then it comes into the managing side, and they have to pick who's an eligible candidate for that next management shift. In your book, you've got a really nice high bar of number of checkoffs of what makes a great leader. Tell us some of the things that should be going through the head of an owner regarding who he's going to choose. So that's a great question, Craig, because the lens that you have to look through when you're looking to really just hire someone with the technical doing skills is really different than the lens you look through to say, now who has the interpersonal relationship building skills to be able to not only do what we said earlier, which is get work done through others, but really develop the individual and develop the team. So those softer skills of being able to be a strong communicator, being able to give feedback, being able to engage in productive conflict, which is being able to bring up different ideas that people have in service of having a good debate about what's the best option for the company. Being able to prioritize initiatives and get the work in the queue and staged appropriately. Those are skills that are not necessarily related to a functional technical area. They supersede that. And one of the things that managers and some of the hiring managers need to look at is, is the person that I'm putting in this position really excited and interested about people and their development? Or are they really, really focused and excited about getting work done and the task done? And really challenge yourself to put people into management roles that really love working with people and don't see people, for example, as a distraction from their day job or an annoyance from them getting their own work done. Erica, you mentioned a number of times in your book, it all starts at the top as far as setting the example of leadership. Some of the criteria of that leadership as the leader of other leaders, how would you rank some of the top ones? 
So the concept of being a leader of leaders, I think is a very cool concept that a lot of the clients that I work with, when they get to the level of knowing what a leader is, now a leader of leaders is someone who is able to really bring out the best in others and be able to not necessarily rely on position power or expertise power, right? Because when you're a leader of a functional area or you're a leader of a team, a lot of people will just, hey, boss, whatever you want, boss, or whatever you say, boss. But a leader of leaders is really someone who is able to influence and able to get their peer group or other leaders that have equal stature and equal skill set to move towards collective solutions or collective problems. It's a higher order level of leadership, and it's one that has a great deal of respect as well as appreciation for the peers that you're working with across the table. And as the owner developing my team, how much time is it going to take to really bring forward an average base level of new management to the point in which they're really into the performance-based principles and be able to really operate in full, healthy environment? That's a fantastic question. I am not often asked that question, but I'm glad that you did because here's the reality. Everybody would love for this to be like the quick fix. Like, can you give me like a couple of day training programming? Can we kind of get this done? This is a development of skills over time. And it really relates to not just giving people, let's say, skill sets or an ability to understand how they can use certain tools of leadership, which I have a lot of in leadership rigor and a lot of models to break things down, but to really develop into, whether it's an organization or a team to that high level, you're really talking about creating a culture and you're really talking about being integrated and clear with your expectations and holding people accountable to the way that you want to do things around here. So if you look at the third part of leadership rigor, where I talk about leading organizations, I talk a lot about what really are the roles of a leadership team at an organizational level. And actually the first in the sequence of really making things happen is what's your culture. And it's not just defining your values, but really defining what you want the energy and the environment to be like, who's going to be on your bus, how are you going to treat each other, how are you going to make decisions. So culture is a really important thing, and it takes time to develop, and I really encourage the leaders who want to build very high-performing teams and successful organizations to patiently invest and think of it as a journey, not just a series of quick-hit training programs. Yeah, I like your view of it is a continuous process and one that has to have a vision and a buy-in, a real desire to have a highly efficient team. Yeah, and I would tell you the thing that I see a lot of small to mid-sized business CEOs make a mistake with is, you know, a lot of these companies are so loyalty-driven. They can be a family-owned business or they can be a business that started from scratch or itch and you want to have that sense of loyalty. But as the companies grow and as you really get to that messy, chaotic stage where you have to really make choices to continue to increase the size and the success of your business – you really have to make tough people choices. And sometimes I say that a CEO or a leader will get the leadership team that they deserve. A lot of leaders will be very hesitant 
to get someone who needs to be off the bus off the bus. And when you do that and you have a couple of players that might not be appropriate on your bus and they stay, that can actually really elongate the time period for you to really be able to make the culture change that you want to make. Because instead of just creating what you want, you're also tolerating a lot of what you really don't want, but you haven't been bold enough to make the move to really get those people off the bus. So you have the right people on the bus. So it's a little bit of that self-fulfilling prophecy on the time. I mean, I think over three, five years, you can do an amazing job in transforming your culture. If you get the people pieces, right. Man, it's so true. I can't even tell you building businesses myself and succumbing to that trap where you please, maybe you've invested a lot in someone that you've been trying to develop and they're doing the work, they're getting it done, but you know, they're pissing people off and you've been Mm -hmm. trying to mentor them and they're not quite where you want, but they're getting the job done. And those people can completely destroy any effort at culture or change that you're trying to make. But as the business owner, you're just like, oh my God, I'm just so happy to have some help. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. And back to what is that time period between the entrepreneur and the enterprise and how you make that choice? The old school way of doing business is you're exactly right. I'd rather have a warm body that's like getting stuff done than a vacancy or, you know, we can't let that guy go because he's like managing our biggest account. But at the point where you're really trying to build a culture, it's not just about results. It's really about performance and performance breaks down into results and behaviors. And if you don't address those behaviors, they completely set you back and continue to undermine your ultimate level. You may survive and you may do well and you may stay within a certain bandwidth, but you'll never achieve a high-performing team with people who have those behaviors that hold you back. Oh, that's definitely it. I think the saying is what you enable, you teach, right? Sure, absolutely. Erica, having an outside source to be able to see what's going on in the organization and to work with the leader. I know we're all in the same camp here, the three of us. We've worked with a number of companies and a number of leaders out there that are in a situation that they're not totally able to define. They know something's happening. They're not really sure what's going on, and they need some outside resource to be able to have fresh pair of eyes fresh pair of ears to be able to understand and see it for what it really is and be able to guide the leader. And occasionally, the ultimate leader is the largest challenge. Any thoughts there? Yeah, you know, I guess the way that I would think about this question, you know, usually most of my engagements start with coaching the CEO of an organization. And I start to see and feel and hear where are they coming from? What language do they use? How are they showing up? What's it like to be with them? Because they show up the same way everywhere. So in that coaching engagement, in that situation, you start to see what might be some of the challenges for their organizations. Usually I go a step deeper at the right time with that relationship and the CEO and say, should we do maybe a, a workshop or engage your leadership team? One of the things that's really fascinating is for the work of change to really happen, you really need to be able to get people into a room and talking. And part of what I do as a leadership coach is I create these customized team journeys for a leadership team to come together. And I try to create what I call safe space, which is there's nothing we can't talk about here. And I'll interview and get together with each of the leadership members for the session and then come into the session. And the approach that I try to use is 
whether you're the CEO or a member of the leadership team, we're all on this journey together. And it's all about trying to unpack what's holding us back from developing trust, what's holding us back from saying the things that we need to say to clear the air, what's holding us back from having the asks that we need and want from our colleagues. And bit by bit, I walk them through a lot of the tools in leadership rigor and start to give them a language and a format to use. And then they start to engage with tools that allow them to not make their challenges personal per se, but they make them very leadership oriented or, you know, here we're having an altitude problem or here we have baggage in our relationship. We have a struggle over power. So for me, it's really getting that intimacy and that relationship and connection with the CEO and then unpacking and kind of unveiling, I guess, a little bit more of the onion each layer down in the organization. Erica, that's great insight. And what would you suggest a business owner who is interested in going deeper into this subject and learning more and applying? What would you suggest to be the first steps? Yeah, that's a great question because oftentimes small business owners feel like they don't have access to the same types of resources. You know, leadership rigor, performance coaches, they are out there and they are accessible to small to mid-sized business owners. So you have access and getting, whether it's leadership rigor or other resources that are available out there, there are resources. The one thing I would advise though, for the leader of the organization, the CEO, for about seven years, I was a Vistage chair, which is a group of CEOs that come together and are facilitated by a professional facilitator. It helps small to mid-sized business owners come together in peer groups. And I did that for seven years and had 12 and 15 CEOs at a time that I facilitated through problem solving, issue processing. So there are groups out there, entrepreneurial groups, Vistage, Young Presidents Associations, lots of resources where you can meet people like me and you can meet other people that are in common and similar situations for you. But there is a lot out there if you are curious and will do the homework to engage in it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Erica. We really enjoyed our time with you. Thank you, Craig and Shai. I love being with you guys as well, and, and hopefully sharing some of the pieces that we talked about today with your business owners are going to be helpful to them. That's great. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, if you are curious about doing some of that homework we were talking about or reaching out and meeting someone like me or having me perhaps help you to make some referrals to people who can help you on a leadership journey, take a look at my website. It's Erica, E-R-I-C-A, Peetler, P-E-I-T-L-E-R.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Erica Peetler. On my website, I have a lot of resources, including five seasons of podcasts where you can learn more about the specific elements that I cover in Leadership Rigor. I have a quiz to help assess whether you are a change-ready leader and where in Leadership Rigor it might be best for you to start your leadership journey. And I also have a lot of models and tools that you just might find helpful printing out and just having as a reference for you as you coach and develop your teams and your leaders. Our guest today has been Erica Peetler author of Leadership Rigor. You can learn more about Erica, as well as find links to her book and website in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. This episode has been sponsored by Aligned for Business. That's Aligned, the number four, business.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. 
We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.